the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leaders. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us this evening. We're glad you're along, and we are at a very different time than we normally are. Uh, and I hope that you've been able to hear some of the announcements about the change of schedule this evening on uh, the station here. And we'll be from here for the next 90 minutes. We'll be talking about the scriptures. It's a, it's a special it's a special program, actually. It's the last program in our 22nd time through the Bible. John is counting on his fingers. No. <laughs> I hope you were able to, to hear about the time change how are they listening? Oh, yeah, there's a lot. To, if they didn't hear the time. Just oh, I know this this uh, daylight savings time and going off of daylight savings time, right? We're back to normal right now. Is that the, that's the way it I is? Don't know. What, what is normal? What is normal? That, that is the question of this this entire decade. Yeah, I think. What is normal? You would ask, ask God if you met him. Yeah, yeah. Or, I won't. I, I won't ask that again. But it is. Uh, I think we're back on like kind of normal time. We're off of daylight savings. Maybe uh, maybe that's not the right way to look at it. But anyway, we're back to. Uh, we changed an hour, and that was already the big change. We. Uh, we were up. We got a little extra rest. Unless you're a basic trainee at Lackland Air Force Base, um, poor guys. We we had so many of them, close to a thousand this morning in in Bible study, and they uh, they were telling us that the Air Force forgot to tell them that it was uh, daylight savings time. I think a lot of folks don't realize how isolated basic trainees are during during boot camp during their going through the basic training for the military uh they don't have any civilian contact with any civilian contact home family uh any kind of civilian contact at all i'm sorry what time do they usually get up? they usually they're usually up i believe around five thirty six something they're up oh, the, er, they're early 
Uh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're they're usually up in Adam, but of course t- they were they should. They were there at six. Yeah, well, well, they didn't get there. What happened is a number of them told me that, uh, well, then no one told us it was daylight savings Sunday or time to change, and so we got up at the normal time an hour early, and we got all ready and everything, and and then they came in uh, when we were all ready. They came in somewhere around the. <laughs> around there and said, oh, oh, yeah, we've got to tell you, it's daylight savings. And so at least I said, well, did they at least let you rest a little or just kind of uh, chill out a little bit in the dorm? And it, uh, I mean, you, you couldn't go back to sleep. They wouldn't let them do that, but they did let them relax for the hour at least. So uh, hey, it's crazy. It's a crazy day anyway with that with that on top of it. But we had a great time of Bible study with the young men and women from the uh, basic training. We are their only uh, civilian contact during their seven weeks of basic training. And, and it's an incredible privilege, we feel, to be able to meet them and to share the gospel and to share uh, spiritual nurturing and, and, and encouragement for them uh, during this very stressful time of their life. And of course, the the things that we share with them from the scriptures, our particular curriculum, our lesson plan for them, is very very good. They they uh, we 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 really help them to develop a strong not only come to know Christ as Savior. Many of them uh, every every week about fifty to sixty or sometimes a few more uh, make are making that decision that first time decision to trust Christ and to begin their journey. Uh, in their relationship with God. So that's really thrilling for us to be there. Um, And like I say, we're their only civilian contact during those seven weeks. And what an awesome privilege we have. We truly do. So uh, keep remembering us in prayer. And, of course, if any of you would like to come out and help, help us in in teaching or there there are some uh, areas of our ministry that we could use folks to come out and help just like even with uh, physical arrangements and, you know, meeting the the trainees and greeting and, and, and just tending to them. Um, it, it's a little bit more complicated than it used to be uh, but pre-COVID. It's a very different program now in the sense of where we have our lessons and uh, and the timing and the schedule and so on. It's a little more complex and complicated, but we sure could use your help and your continued prayers and support. We're just really grateful uh, to be able to be there. So uh, don't ever hesitate to get in touch with me. Let me know if you'd like to come out and visit some Sunday morning, uh, you and your family or your, your, you and your spouse or just you or a friend. If you'd like to come out and see what we're doing in view of uh, looking at it and saying, well, maybe I could help out. Maybe I could one Sunday a month, I could uh, go in and, and help with the uh, Bible studies for the basic trainees. That would be a that would be a real blessing to you. I know you would love it. It's an astounding, wonderful opportunity we have, and uh, we will uh, look forward to having you out as well. We enjoy having guests with us uh, each and every week. Usually there's someone coming out to visit just to view what we do and how we do it so that uh, people are trying to uh, see if they can m- maybe be a part of this exciting and remarkable opportunity we have with the basic trainees going into the United States Air Force. You know, uh, San Antonio, Lackland Air Force Base is gateway to the Air Force. Military City, USA. uh, Yeah, Military City, USA, and gateway to the Air Force. Uh, It's it's an amazing part of our our lives here 
in this great Alamo city. Well, Stacy's here with me. Stacy, how are you this evening? Everything okay? Oh, and... yeah. I'm here. <laughs> All right. We're glad to see you. And uh, how's my grandbaby, my oh, granddaughter? She's, she's She's teething. Oh my land! That's going to be that's going to be a fun time of life, I guess, for her and you and oh. T.W. Uh, and Big Brother. Well, I'm so glad you're here, honey. We're going to do something uh, unusual. We're already unusual tonight in our being on being on the air, but um, <laughs> at six o'clock instead of uh, nine o'clock in the evening. <clears throat> and we're also my <clears throat> thank you. Um, we'll get, <laughs> forgot to put my phone on hold there. Uh, we're going to cover the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. Uh, this is our last uh, program for our 22nd time through the Bible. 22 years, 22 times we've made it that made it round the bases there. I'm trying to use a baseball analogy there because of the World Series. World Series. Yeah, we. <laughs> Yay, go Astro. We did it. That's that's wonderful. It was fun to watch. I guess I watch every game. Once a year I, yeah, <laughs> I exactly. watch baseball. <laughs> Once the, a year you're World a baseball Series, fan. Right? <laughs> Once a year I'm a baseball fan, particularly this year, of course, with Texas being a part of it. Uh-huh. So anyway, uh we had that going on this year as well. But we made our way around the bases and we are coming back uh to the end of this year now at the reading the last book of the Old Testament this past week, the book of Malachi, and then reading the last book of the New Testament as well, uh, the book of Revelation. So uh, we'll do that tonight. We always It always comes around somewhere around uh, Halloween, and so we, kinda, we kind of uh, pair it up in that sense that we, the Bible has a lot to say about the spiritual world, the spiritual dimension, uh, uh, the spiritual reality of our lives, and so uh, of course at Halloween they're talking about witches and goblins and ghosts and so on, and uh, uh, so we always try to put the real what's really going on in the spiritual world uh, at this time of the year. So that's uh, as that's, Lewis as Lewis calls it, the true myth. <laughs> yeah, the, the the true what? The true myth. That's right, the true myth, the the true understanding of. This spiritual dimension. We'll get to that in just a bit. Uh, Stacy and I are going to look through uh, the uh, book of Malachi, kind of review that book, which is the last book of the New Testament. And I think it's very interesting as well. I've, 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 just, I've just read of and heard of a possibility, uh, even just this year, that uh, I like a lot, and maybe it excites me and maybe it's wrong, but... Uh, Stacy, isn't it right as we were studying and looking through the different uh, books, you know, the, the ending final books of what they call the minor prophets of the of the Old Testament, uh, that I think for the first time this year, uh, I read or understood that some are beginning to think that Malachi was uh, uh, dated wrongly, that it was later. Uh, than than many people thought. Um, they've typically placed the, the book of Malachi earlier uh, in terms of dating, but then this year uh, we read and heard that that there was kind of some 
beginning of a, of a consensus that Malachi was actually later that might have even been one of the post-exilic uh, prophets uh, and books of the Hebrew Scriptures, which was really interesting to me because of the fact that uh, it, it is the last book of the Old Testament. And it's interesting because of the way it, it talks about the Messiah. Malachi does indeed, like all of the uh, pro- prophetic books, uh, address and remember the principal strand of the, the 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 spiritual narrative of God's redemptive plan through the Old Testament, through the uh, Tanakh, is indeed all about Messiah, about Jesus the Messiah, about about the Messiah. And then, of course, we learn... Uh, as he fulfilled the prophecies of the messianic prophecies of the Old Testament, uh, and, and his his life, and his death and, and resurrection, and the transformed lives of his followers, uh, these are essentially the the four classic uh, foundation pieces of of uh, the claims of Jesus Christ to Jesus to be the actual Christ. Mm-hmm. And so Malachi, uh, if it is later, it, it it somehow is more satisfying to me in that sense, just in terms of the content of the book itself. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I mean, I don't believe it changes necessarily anything, but for some reason, when I, when I learned that and I, and I realized that as, as you read the book of Malachi, it, it somehow fit the language and, and so on seem to fit really well the context of the final uh, books of the of the old testament and, yeah. and it it looked forward to the mess, to the messiah in such a way that I, I don't know i felt comfortable with it thinking of it perhaps in that particular spot uh, otherwise though it is uh, considered a bit it, it is unknown exactly when I think the date no, of the writing well, was i think though um no i, I think it is pretty much post Exilic, and even after the temple was built, and they go but going by Malachi one eight, uh-huh. um, because they use the Persian word for governor, which would have kind of which would have indicated a time between five thirty eight and three thirty three when the Persian Empire ruled that. Era. Right. So I think that um, yeah, they they would they're taking that verse and going with not only with yes one of the latest. Um, one of the last books written before the coming of, of Jesus. Right. It's, it's in the ballpark, at least there. Right. It, before, I, I think that the understanding was that because of the sins that Malachi addresses in oh, his book right. are okay. si- similar to the issues that Nehemiah uh, addressed and was facing with the I people. See. And so they put it just a little earlier Pre-exilic, uh, uh, before the before the return of the exiles to uh, mm-hmm. Israel, um, so it was thought that they perhaps were contemporaries, but um, it, it, for the reasons you state there linguistically, and I think that is principally the basis for the reconsidering Later. of the date was was the language used and so on. Uh, of course, the date of the. Uh, Destruction of Jerusalem and the uh, destruction of the temple in 586 is a is such a powerful moment uh, that the way it is addressed, whether it is addressed or not addressed, and so on, is always part of the uh, calculations there as well in terms of dating. Uh, but anyway, that's uh, that's where we are with Malachi. It was uh, 
like I said, uh, an ending book. It has that wonderful passage um, uh, about the Messiah that predicts the Messiah's coming and and so on. Um, A warning to the priests, a call to faithfulness, and the coming day of judgment. And and that's what kind of got me is that coming day of the Lord, Mm -hmm. which has to do with the coming of the Messiah. And so that was... um, that was something that is addressed by Malachi. They are there in the, if he is indeed post-exilic, mm-hmm. uh, they are there back in Israel. They have been struggling to rebuild the temple and then to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. That was Nehemiah's particular calling and, and uh, uh, his project. And that, uh, so they ran through a lot of difficult problems the people did as they tried to get those two things accomplished. There was discouragement from the people around them. There was some actually even some physical threat to them, and they had to be careful. To At one time they were working with one hand uh, with the hammer and the saw and the other hand with their, with their uh, weapons in hand because of the, the risk of the threat to them. Um, so the prophets are there cheerleading them, encouraging them uh, in the Lord. They're trying to continually remind them of who they are, who, their calling as uh, as God called Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The, the, the nation and group had a calling. There was a covenant relationship between Israel and the Lord. Of course, they had broken the covenant uh, many, many times and failed in their part of it, but uh, the prophets are reminding them of the God's special calling that they that they know the true and living God, and and they are called now to return to Him to worship Him as as they have been directed and instructed by the Lord, and so the prophets are trying to remind them of that uh, relationship and their special calling to be a light to the world to the empires around them in that time uh, to these uh, what would you say. Uh, idolatry and, and, and these pagan cultures around them uh, with false religions and false gods and so on. They were to be a light to them, upholding clearly the the one true, the true God, the true and living God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they were to be a, a clear witness and keep a witness of, of a one God, not polytheistic, uh, you know, many, many gods and so on, as most of the nations around them uh, rec- uh, worshipped and so on. And they were to be the conduit, the vehicle through whom God would bring the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Savior, uh, the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world, according to uh, the Apostle, uh, I mean, the yeah, the Apostle John in the New Testament. So they were to do that. And, of course, that role was completed with the coming of Jesus of Nazareth and the recognition that he indeed was that long-awaited predicted Messiah, Savior um, that was there for us. So anyway, that's Malachi. Uh, there's some things he, uh, particular things he faces, uh, the unworthy sacrifices. The people were, remember they were to bring a lamb or an animal without blemish and without spot, which, uh, as you know, the the sacrificial system of the Old Testament was one of the predictive uh, prophetic means by which the uh, people were prepared and knowing that God, God's redemptive plan was going to be on the basis of what? Substitutionary atonement, that someone would come to take our place, that they would 
uh, satisfy the holiness and the righteous demands of God's uh, 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 judgment on sin and and uh, rebellion and rejection of God. And so there was an aspect of judgment and holiness and righteous judgment. And then there was a, a, an expression of, of God's love as well. And so the the lamb, the animals that were sacrificed, uh, were to be without blemish, without spot, without any problems, as a picture of the idea that the one, the Messiah, would be someone who would be sinless. He would come, he would be able to, uh, he did not have his own sins to uh, atone for, and so he, uh, as a holy and perfect, righteous man, without sin, then he who knew no sin became sin for us. And so the the uh, the the uh, sacrifices were to be uh, perfect, uh, without blemish, without spot. And so the the one of the issues the priests had to deal with was calling them to uh, to not bring unworthy sacrifices, but to keep that vision of uh, the perfect sacrifice who comes and uh, t- bears our sin on our behalf. So that, and then the, they also talked about, uh, of course, repentance and so on, uh, restoration, not only uh, the, the people of Israel, but the, the people of God, restoration, how God is, is the new time when Messiah does come. And there was a call to faithfulness and, and then a repentance and a humble heart before the Lord. Stacy, anything I'm forgetting? We're just, I don't, I, I guess we're not going to spend too much time with Mal- Malachi, but right. uh, ex- except what we just mentioned yeah. about the dating and so on, oh, which is a great, great interest. Yeah, and it's a great book. It, uh, Malachi, I don't know if you mentioned this yet, but means my messenger. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the. Again, my, very interesting because. What was the next prophet of Israel was going to be John the Baptist 400 years later, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he was a messenger. Mm-hmm, you know, he, mm-hmm. uh, and so Malachi, my messenger, that, I, just, I don't know how, something that kind of fits more in my mind <laughs> at, like the, at the post-exilic. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we'll just keep our eyes and ears open. And a lot of things are being discovered about the books uh, of the Bible still through uh, archaeology now mm-hmm. and through advances in uh, our understanding of language mm-hmm. development and so on. Anyway, go ahead, honey. I'm, oh, well, I also like the um, the kind of the, the setting. I mean, he was preaching to, at this point, this is a, over a thousand years after the Abraham, the covenant with Abraham. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're very well established as a people group now. And as being known as, uh, you know, the people of, of who serve one God, the mm-hmm. the Hebrew people, and um, and so they, pro- you know, there can come with that maybe some disillusionment, some cynicism, and I think especially some um, discouragement, un- discouragement, right? uh-huh. yeah. and of course, in the opening. Um, the opening chapters deal with them not believing that God loves them, that, okay, we have this covenant. Yes. Okay. One God, but he, you know, he says he loves us, but he doesn't love us. And that's the very first, um, uh, that's the first argument, the setting of the, or the format of mm-hmm. the book is like a courtroom format. And so it's, um, 
you Very making a thesis statement and then backing yes. that up with a, kind of like an argument, kind of it, a rhetorical. It begins with a, a clear uh, declaration right. of God's love for them. And and I have each, always loved you, says the Lord, but you retort, really, how have you loved us? Mm-hmm. And the Lord replies, this is how I showed my love for you. I loved your ancestors. Jacob, but I rejected his brother Esau and devastated the hill country and so right, on. Right, right. Uh, so so there's this decla- declaration. Right, yeah. exactly, and each declaration. In a, um, which, you know, in terms of the audience that he is talking to, it's probably a very jaded, some outright wicked, some mm-hmm. just discouraged, some cynical, some, you know. But it, it's kind of, it's a... It's a mature kind of audience in in terms of their identity, and it might not be. And that's why it's so neat that he establishes that first statement as um, as a as a relationship. Mm-hmm. Who am I to you? And he establishes it one as a relationship, and then they go past. You know, after that, I do love you. I love you, <laughs> and this is who I am to you. And then it goes into. Um, you know, being faithful. I, I would imagine that the the destruction of, of the temple, and having been taken into exile in in, in uh, Babylon, and so I, I'm sure that had sobered them up as a people. I would think so. Almost all of these people would have been born in exile over in Babylon. Right. And so I imagine it was a very serious time of mm-hmm. contemplation and wondering, is it real? Is, mm-hmm. or is this, is God really spoken to us? Are we really the people of God? Do we really have this covenant relationship? Mm-hmm. And I guess Malachi and the other prophets are hammering away to remind them, yes, yeah. it's true. Mm-hmm. We are part of God's redemptive plan. Mm-hmm. Well, there's our music already. That first segment went by so quick. We'll come back now and begin our consideration and our comments on the book of the Revelation in the New Testament. You are welcome to join us, 210-340-9585, anytime during the broadcast here the next hour. We'd love to hear from you, 210-340-9585. Got some great uh, gifts and prizes for you if you'd like to be a part and willing to come on and, and give us a, a, an opinion, a thought, or a question. We'd love to hear from you, 210-340-9585. Don't go away. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878.
This is The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. considering this evening the last two books of the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, the Tanakh, the book of Malachi, and then 400 years later, the Messiah appears on the scene with the last of the Old Testament-style prophets, the uh, John the Baptist, the baptizer, and uh, the coming of Messiah. And now we finish the New Testament, and we read this past week as well uh, the book of Revelation with this description of of the spiritual dimension of life and the world and the the affirmation that there is indeed a spiritual dimension uh, prominent in the book. Our considerations and thoughts about um, I clearly affirmed the nature of God, the character, the 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 triune nature of God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit all prominently taught in each address and never in the scriptures are the father, the son or the Holy spirit. They're never referred to or addressed as things. Uh, each time it's always with personal pronouns and personal, uh, attributes and characteristics. So the triune God is one of the themes that, that surface in the book of the revelation, um, in a broad, in broad sense. And, uh, the, uh, the sovereignty of God, that God is, actually carrying history out to its his determined and designed ends. Um, that's something, Stacey, we'll look at, I think, probably more, uh, mention it and maybe uh, comment on a little bit more, was this, there's a series of cycles. Now, the book opens with a clear affirmation of Jesus, the Messiah, uh, and his lordship and his coming again to establish his kingdom to to fold up and end uh human history as we know it now and begin the era of 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 um of God's people with him forever for eternity and so uh, it starts with an affirmation of Jesus and a vision that God John has of him now remember almost all of the book of the revelation is Visions. It's it's mm-hmm. a vision. It, it's a message. Something revealed to John. He wrote this and had these visions and these uh, insights from the Lord uh, while he was being uh, exiled himself on the Isle of Patmos. Um, and it so, can be, yeah. And mm-hmm. it can be a a difficult book. And mm-hmm. so um, because it can be, you know, it's sort of that. Irony. I mean, uh, the type of writing is an apocalyptic writing, which doesn't mean end times. It doesn't mean a great explosion, or it doesn't. It means an unveiling, mm-hmm. and so it's a revealing. It's an. Un, it's a. It's a making what is unknown now known. It is making it. Um, or what? Not only unknown, known, but perhaps more aptly, what is maybe not clear, crystal clear. Made clear. Made mm-hmm. clear, Be- and and that's something that remember the saying that we often talk about the the old what is the Old Testament contains the New Testament concealed, mm-hmm, 
uh, I'm not clear cut, not, you know, don't know the name of the Messiah, who mm-hmm. it's exactly. Mm-hmm. We know a lot of things it tells us, but it's not as it hadn't really occurred yet mm-hmm. in time and space in history. And so now uh, in the New Testament is the old has the Old Testament revealed. Mm-hmm. And so right. the, the two are one in, in one continuing work. There's no doubt about that. But that's I, I think what you're talking about is this there's this unveiling, this Every clarifying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of apocalyptic writing in scripture. So oh, Revelation yes. is not the only one. It is just probably the most well known. <laughs> um but there's a little bit of irony because you know, it's it is making it clear, but at the same time, it's a it's a vision, it's a dream, it's a. It's, That's why it's, I said <laughs> that you always have to remember yeah. that this is a this is a vision. This, right. Just these like aren't we have dreams, actually real. You know, Daniel had dreams, uh-huh. uh, and they're not right. It's 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 represent. You know, this represents that, or this, and uh, so it's kind of an interesting. It, on one hand, it's supposed to. It's as if you know, John writes it, and it's this big, great big reveal, and he's like, "Oh, you got it now." Everybody's more <laughs> yeah. confused than they were to start. Oh yeah, <laughs> sure. it, okay, it kind of looks that way. That, that's but, the, yeah. there's several different ways that people look at the book. Mm-hmm. Some uh, would think uh, they're I think they're called uh, literalist, uh, preterist, um, mm-hmm. historic, historic, mm-hmm. and so on. Um, and, and even to this day, there there is a different uh, understanding about did the events that somehow that it is felt that the Book of Revelation. Uh, uh, addresses did those events already take place during that first century, right. those early decades of the church uh, with the destruction of the temple, with uh, the Roman Empire and so on, or all of these things, things that were going to take place, you know, many, many, and, and maybe boy, even hundreds of years later. And I always kind of think, and this is just me, so I don't know, but my answer to all kind of those questions is yes, <laughs> yes. to all of them. Probably, <laughs> probably yes, probably, yes, yes exactly right. Well, and that's it. It just did it. Kind of, it. And it really is such a dense, I mean, every sentence, every mm-hmm. vision has such weight and such meaning and is so rich and it has... Uh, I like the way um, I think it's the Bible Project. They, or you know, I'm, I'm sure it's anywhere. But the hyperlinks, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, it seems like every word in Revelation hyperlinks to, you know, ten other prophets, ten mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Bible verses, and so there's a lot of yeah. referencing Old Testament. When to read Revelation, you really lot. need to and, and, yeah. know the whole. Exactly. Scripture. These uh, the apostles now are demonstrating that they are indeed like their. Leader, yes. uh, they they are saturated with the scriptures. That's they right. know the yeah. scriptures. They've read, and it's so the language and the images, Ezekiel, the imagery that right. they, it, it, it's full of Old Testament imagery, and that is very helpful right. to understand the Book of the Revelation because uh, these these images and these um, let's say. Um, Visions, visions, mm-hmm. uh, symbols of oh, okay. they often do have a kind of a fixed symbol. Oh, they right. symbolize something that's very clear from the understanding of the Hebrew scriptures. Right. So that is a great deal of help as well. Uh, but it opens up uh, now. The opening chapters, I think, the opening five chapters, have to do with um, with Jesus, John's vision regarding uh, uh, in the first chapter, of course, the, the, Jesus Himself. Uh, holy, 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 the vision of him. Mm-hmm. And then he has messages for the early churches. There, are, uh, Starting in chapter 2, we have the church at Ephesus, the church at Smyrna, Pergamum, uh, Thyatira, uh, Sardis, 
and the church in Philadelphia and Laodicea. These are seven prominent churches of that age and era that he addresses each of them and he says, this is good about you. This is something that, that is uh, remarkable. Is uh, We applaud you for this, but also admonition that there's you're lacking something. Here's, be careful. Uh, and he has a, a blessing and a warning for each of them about um, strengths and weaknesses, which is very helpful to us as congregations and people of God today. We have to be on guard and on watch as well for our tendency to stray uh, from the Lord, uh, and so th- they've always been very instructive. Chapter two. Um, then let's see somewhere there. W- w- oh yeah, it moves in chapter four. It moves then to a vision of heaven, and uh, it says that the, a voice says to him, "Come up here, and I will show you what must happen after this." And instantly I was in the spirit and I saw the throne of heaven and someone sitting on it. So we begin to have this vision of heaven itself. Uh, and again, we see the presence of the triune God, God, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. And this this declaration, each of the angels, the angelic horde that are there and worshiping God and serving God. Uh, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty. Uh, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. And uh, so they sing praise and honor and glory to the Lord. Uh, the 24 elders uh, often is thought to represent the the 12 mm-hmm. tribes of Israel, plus the idea of the, tr- the 12 apostles, the 24 mm-hmm. elders. That appears uh, linguistically in the, in the book of Revelation several times. And uh, th- this is a very emotional time for John. He sees, he sees heaven. He sees God. He sees, uh, as I mentioned before, he's talking to uh, the ideas of God, the triune nature of the Godhead. And when we talk about the triune nature, what we're emphasizing, I think what the idea of the Trinity, uh, the three persons of the Godhead, uh, what that it, – it's not – uh, it's not. It cannot be understood scientifically, because the scientific laws of chemistry, biology, physics, and so on, they don't apply to spiritual beings and spiritual dimension. They are indeed natural laws, and and uh-huh. so the point. It's an affirmation of the spiritual realm and the spiritual. Uh, that, but it's also an affirmation of personhood that God. The, at this, at the heart, at the white hot center of the Godhead, as revealed to us in scriptures, there is relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, God is personal; He is knowable, mm-hmm. and that within the Godhead itself, there is relationship: mm-hmm. uh, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, as Jesus taught us. Now, these terms exist earlier. Uh, there are lots of phrases, uh, lots of titles and names that are given to God throughout the Bible mm-hmm. from beginning to end. Um, Moses said, who should I tell them sent me when Moses is at the burning bush? And God said, I am mm-hmm. uh, the, I, the, the idea of uh, uh, Yahweh, uh, uh, Jehovah, uh, the self-existent I am. Mm-hmm. I am the eternal I am in present tense. Um, and so we we have a lot of these names and titles and understandings, and they don't limit God. They don't define God. 
they are simply terms and titles and names that help us as human beings understand something about the nature mm-hmm. of God and something about his uh, redemptive plan for mankind. And I, and I think it seems to me that the Father, the Son, the Spirit, the idea of the triune nature of the Godhead <clears throat> is not only true, but that it, there is one God, only one God, that we're not polytheists, but that there are three distinct persons in the Godhead, and that is a, above all things, whatever else it might be, and it could be a relationship, and it's already in the spiritual realm and existence that we really can only guess at mm-hmm. now as in this world, in this in planet Earth, in history, in time and space. So, uh, but but so it could be more than that. But I think it's one thing it clearly uh, emphasizes is that God is personal and knowable, and God is relational. Mm-hmm. That at the very heart of the Godhead, there is relationship. The Father, the Son, the Spirit dwell together forever. Each of them have all the attributes of deity. Each of them have all of the characteristics of personhood, uh, intellect, emotion, and will. And they have dwelled together eternally in perfect harmony and oneness and relational harmony. Um, One in their love for each other, one in their character, and one in their purpose, and one in their action. They act in total, complete harmony with one. No jealousy exists. The, uh, the each equal mm-hmm. with the other. Uh, a, a beautiful picture. And that's, uh, I think that's a, an extremely important truth and perhaps a truth that needs to be uh, re- clarified even here at the beginning of the earth, uh, church age is that the relationship with God is just that. It's a relationship. Mm-hmm. It's not just a religious system. Uh, many people have often said Christianity is not a religion at its core. We all know there is a religion called Christianity, uh, but at its core, it's not a really it's even before that more fundamentally, it's a relationship Mm -hmm. with the true and living God. And I think the, the, the idea of the father, the son, the spirit dwelling in permanent, perfect harmony and oneness relationally Mm -hmm. speaks to that. And maybe that's the message post the messianic message that had to be emphasized as they take the gospel to the whole world uh that maybe that is the reason that had become the the image that has become the title of god for this age at least mm-hmm. uh the father the son the spirit because of that relationship i don't, I don't know am i confusing things or is that fairly clear what i'm trying to say about yeah. the book of the revelation emphasizes th- that right. personal core, that personal uh, nature of of the Godhead itself. Mm -hmm. And one of, I think, the most um, compelling, I don't know if the word arguments, but maybe this is why Malachi started with um, God loves you, you know, to the people or and the people said, does he really love us? And maybe that was uh, because that is one of the most compelling um, arguments, I think, for Christianity, when it you know when it comes, is that it is uh, it is it's the only way love can really exist. Love, by definition, has to be a choice. A choice, and yes. a choice only exists within a relationship with different wills and uh, yeah, well, people who have mm-hmm. uh, a free volition and mm-hmm. the and the mm-hmm. and the freedom and the and the the ability to choose. Mm-hmm. 
how I'm going to relate to this person. Right. Yes, and that's why, uh, you know, of course, John in First John, Second John, Third John, God is love. And uh, love is mm. central to when you say at the, at the white hot core of Christianity and of, is uh, love. It's because that 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 triune God really exists. Uh, abs- I mean, he is love, <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that relationship. And I think, too, in Revelation. John um, also said that, by the way. That God is love. <laughs> God is love. <laughs> I, oh, I know. <laughs> and light. Yeah. But um, and then in Revel, you know, in, in Revelation, this is a time when Christians were being I mean, you know, we have we experience persecution today, I guess, but it is a completely different level. I mean, they were being uh, I've heard some crucified upside down. I mean, that was not they were being impaled alive, they were being, uh, lit on fire, yeah. used as torches. They it, were being, it, those are the extremes. But on the other hand, too, there was just social ostr- they're being ostracized. They've been losing their jobs, their place of employment, their yes. properties. Yes. And but so I on. think also, I mean, yeah. The, yeah, they were being thrown to lions. They were being <laughs> eaten. They were being, yes. it was, they were, anyway. So, uh, yeah. the, it, which is a, is a hard, scary thing. And I think John's writing that reminder that this is temporal in that, I mean, I think you said he kind of gets emotional when he sees heaven and mm. because it is absolutely glorious. I mean, it is beyond description. It is the God of the universe as awesome as, you you know, rolls of thunder, lightning, yes. like John's song that he played before that. I mean, he is mighty and, yes. and, and that is our eternal, that is our destination. And that is the one with whom we have a loving relationship. And, and it, it helped, I think the Christians at that time who were experiencing such pain and who were tempted to you know, to, to turn their back or to not uh-huh. live for Jesus and to not um, proclaim him, uh, it gave them the courage to realize this is nothing compared to what is coming. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, this is where, you know, to be able to wear that white robe, the blood of the martyrs, you know, and that, um, mm-hmm. and then for his, and, and then his judgment in that sense, you know, uh, the, the revelation is full of also judgment and what exactly God does. that it has to be a final reckoning and right. a final accountability. And, uh, that's part of mm-hmm. the uh, part of the mm-hmm. what is going to happen when right. the curtain of history finally, as we know it, finally closes. Mm-hmm. That now it, it had long been a part of even a Jewish understanding that that um, history, human history. Runs in cycles, right. the, uh, and uh, Revelation seems to bear that out because once we get, I, I still want us to comment on chapters four and five, okay. but then once we get into uh, these, these, uh, there, there are four seals. Uh, there are mm-hmm. seals that have to be broken. Mm-hmm. Um, seven seals. I'm sorry. The first of the seven seals on the scroll, uh, and then there's. Uh, uh, bowls, and then there's uh, there are seven angels, and mm-hmm. so that you, the- you have each of them, kind of I think representing these cycles of right. of revelation of God and and man's response and and and, and failure right. and so on, sort of that downward spiral of human experience and in sin mm-hmm. uh, because of sin, and, and so he he goes through those, but it's not an eternal thing that there will, I, I guess the message here in terms of end times thinking is that some people think it just goes on and on and on forever. For example, the idea, one of the ideas of reincarnation is that it just, we just transfer and transfer right. and tra- on our, 
on our journey toward uh, perfection or whatever. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, John here's picture is not that way. Yes, there are cycles, there are changes in the world, but each is really a repetition of the same kinds of things, Mm -hmm. of sin Mm -hmm. and judgment, and then God's re- increases revelation of himself to the people and to the world and in sin and judgment and mm-hmm. so on. But then there will come a time wh- that when the process ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, there will be the trumpet will sound and the, and the clouds will open and, this, uh, and Christ will return mm-hmm. for his church and begin the, the uh, incidents or the, the, uh, the end times, of the, the, the summing up. The closing down of okay. history as we know it, God will be united with our God and with God's people forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that relationship, we're being, as Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, God's people, the church, uh, true Israel, mm-hmm. is being brought into the faith relationship with the Father, with the Son, with the Spirit, with God. Uh, we move into that time of, of we're being brought into that harmonious, loving existence that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit have enjoyed for forever, eternity. Right. And that's what Jesus prays in John 17. Lord, bring them into that love that right. that you and I have, Father, we've enjoyed forever. Bring them too into that relationship. So we're we're coming we're not becoming God, but we're coming God's people will come into that relational harmony and oneness right. and peace with our God and with each other right. as the people of God. Which is that beautiful, I mean, the images of worship in mm-hmm. heaven every time you, you know, that uh, he, he, I mean, it's, it's, it, that to me is, I mean, it's heaven. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's heavenly and heaven and it uh, culminates in worship. Yes. Um, and it's. Yeah, it really is inspiring and beautiful, and it's what John meant for. I mean, it's 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 well, I don't know if it's what John. Mm. I, I think yes. I don't know if meant for it to be because it was uh, given to him to proclaim, but uh, he did. <laughs> and, and this is what he's proclaiming: is that uh, the truth about God, the nature of God, the oneness nature of God, and the, the truth about. God's redemptive plan that yeah. winds throughout the Old Testament and the New, mm-hmm. this what uh, uh, some have called the scarlet thread through the scriptures. Right. There's a constant reminder of God's love, the problem of sin, the solution that God has given in the Messiah, and that that we choose, we must make a choice to uh, enter into that relationship with God, uh, that we have that potential, uh, and that God has created two outcomes uh, for us. Only two. One is to know God and know peace, mm-hmm. or know God and no peace. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, either way. But those are the two options. We have a real decision to make, a real volitional decision that has consequences. Right. But God is sovereign of both. He is the creator mm-hmm. of both heaven and hell. Mm-hmm. Both are glorify Him. One, His mercy and love and kindness. It's, it's oh. all a part of the revelation. John, we have to go this, away again. I was about to reference this song. Go ahead. Oh, oh, it's just that last verse. No, it is well with my soul. That Trump sound. It sounds. will flow. Thanks, it is John. well oh. with my soul. I love that. Oh. Thanks, John. Good, good choice. Bible Live will return in just a moment. My 
listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Praise God, it's mine. Wonderful, wonderful choice, John. Doing good. I think we'll keep you on another year. <laughs> I feel blessed. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, it, that is a, just a, a good intro to the idea that what we're perceiving here, what John is struggling to somehow uh, describe or express, is his... His vision, his understanding of, of of what glory will be like. Remember, our relationship with God uh, comes to us. We live in time and space, and so we we experience life sequentially. Here, uh, an hour ago, I was somewhere else. An hour now, right this present tense, I'm here. In the future, I'll be somewhere. Else. So that's the way we experience our, our existence as human beings, and and so our uh, our experience of salvation is also in that same way uh, sequentially. We, when we come to faith in Christ, we are justified. The justification, uh, the theological or biblical term for being made right with God, that God now sees us just as if I'd never sinned. Uh, so justification is in our past. If you're a child of God, we have been delivered from the penalty of sin, uh, past tense. Now, in the present tense, then, as as God's people here on the earth, every day of our life, our natural life here on planet earth, we are being saved. We are being delivered from the power of sin. Uh, that is the process of what is called sanctification. We're being, we're becoming what God has already declared us to be and made us to be through our uh, identification with Christ. We are be, we are becoming holy. We are we 
are declared to be holy by God because of our identification with Christ. We are, we are, God sees us in heaven. He sees us as perfect, as, as holy, as, as clothed in the righteousness of Messiah himself, uh, perfect and sinless. But, but that's, that's our position. That's our legal position in the throne room of God. So sanctification, though, is the process of becoming in our experience what we already are uh, in in uh, what is, God has already made us to be because of our faith in Christ. Uh, so now we're in the process of being delivered from the power of sin and the influence of sin over our lives uh, as individuals in this world. That's probably our basic training for heaven. I don't know. Maybe, some people have thought that maybe our time here on earth is just sort of preparation and as we begin the process of being transformed into people of God. And finally, the the third aspect of our salvation, it's only one salvation. It's not three different experiences, but then this is the way we experience it, it would be glorification when finally we walk with God, not by faith, but by sight. Mm-hmm. And and that's this is something we see John trying to, mm-hmm. he's struggling with this. He's seeing and perceiving the spiritual dimension of, and the reality of God and his nature and the holiness of heaven mm-hmm. and God's kingdom and the angelic realm and the holiness of God. Uh, and, and like Daniel before him, uh, he sometimes he gets overwhelmed mm-hmm. by his what he's seeing, what he's experiencing. And uh, it, it is it is clearly just a, a beautiful book. Uh, I think that we have kind of emphasized the futuristic element, perhaps a little overly uh to the point we we don't see the worship core and the and the 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 connection with all else that has gone before it um I, i'm not sure that i'm not de- making a statement there a, a doctrinal statement or anything <laughs> but i'm just saying sometimes we miss out on the worship right. uh core that will the worship heart of mm-hmm. the book of the revelation uh you see it clearly in in chapters four and five we already described uh, after he addresses the churches of that age, Ephesus and to Philadelphia and so on, um, after he addresses the churches with that admonition, uh, there's this these seven seals uh, that are to be opened, a revelation about God and his ways, what he's doing. Uh, there is a vision of worship in heaven, mm-hmm. all the heavenly beings, uh, the spiritual realm, uh, get in worship of, of God, the creator. And he there to open these seals and at the end of chapter 5 no one is found who can open up the the seal let me see if i i want to get it uh, the lamb opens the scroll in chapter 5 uh in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne there was writing uh on the inside and the outside of the scroll and it was sealed with seven seals and i saw a strong a uh, strong angel who uh, shouted out with a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. There were, no one was qualified or able mm-hmm. to do that. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping Look, the the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy 
to open the scroll and its seven seals. Mm-hmm. Now, when we think of Christ's worthiness, it brings to mind in my idea that what he that was Jesus' role on planet Earth. Jesus didn't come to planet Earth to prove he was God. He came to planet Earth to earn the right by being the perfect man of faith, totally humble and submissive uh, and perfectly obedient to the will of the Father, totally dependent on God the Father. He lived a life of perfect faith as a man. He didn't come to prove he was God, but to live out the perfect life of a man of faith and therefore became worthy to be our mediator, to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, as John called him, uh, as John the Baptist referred to him. And so uh, he said he begins to weep. Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now uh, standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the... Oh, that's interesting. He's between the throne and the... He's the mediator. He's mm-hmm. between the bridge between the throne of God and the four living beings representing... Uh, the godly of pre-Messianic and post-Messianic, the people of God uh, throughout the ages. And so it's just beautiful. You are worthy, and and they celebrate the fact that Jesus is worthy. Uh, And so, again, we see John there overwhelmed by the vision Mm -hmm. and and afraid in a sense with the no one is worthy to open the seal to well, be. Yeah, the, the, I began to weep bitterly mm. because no one was found worthy. It reminds me of, well, we, I, I mean, when you read the whole book, you kind of get this sense of, of, I mean, it's kind of the creation and story, and there's sort of a, an aspect of momentum and uh, almost that Ezekiel, the wheel within the wheel, mm-hmm. kind of, or you think of a. Um, you know, a drop uh, in water and the concentric circles mm-hmm, that just mm-hmm. kind of extend. And it's almost as if something oh, yeah. had been started in motion in, in, you know, the garden and with that first with sin and almost like a disease. That's just the spreading of sin and this taking over. And it's, uh, it's as if this scroll is... This is this is the answer. This is the key to help to. This is the anecdote. This the is counterway. the counterway. This is the counterway. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh-huh. But nobody can open it, and it is in that oh, sense. Yeah. It is that it that would be devastating. I mean, we're doomed. You know, we're and um, but he is what it reminds me you know, of that quote that death started working backwards. You are worthy, girl. for you were slaughtered, and your blood has yes. ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation, you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, mm-hmm. and they will reign on earth. And I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders, and they all sang this mighty chorus, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered. It, see, it's that redemptive work. It was mm-hmm. for it was for what he did as a man mm-hmm. that God, the, the Messiah here is honored. Uh, because he, we are in him. Mm-hmm. We are now in the lineage of Christ. We are in Christ. The most well-known and, and popular term for God's people in the New Testament is in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so we are in him just as we are in Adam uh, genetically, uh, physiologically here on earth. Now we are of the spiritual genetics, uh, the spiritual lineage of Jesus himself, and, uh, the new creation, the new race of the redeemed. And so they celebrate this uh, blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, Amen. (laughs) And the 24 elders 
fell down and worshipped the Lamb. What a vision. What a... I could see John being overwhelmed. Just try it sometimes, folks. Try to visualize and imagine glory. A time when we're not, nothing is clouded, veiled. We, in other words, we're not just assuming by faith that God is majestic and glorious and more beautiful and more powerful than we could ever imagine or exist. But what happens when we move into the actual presence mm-hmm. of uh, God himself and into that realm where whew, I, if you try to imagine it even you start getting overwhelmed pretty quickly what would that be like to just to no longer is it a matter of faith it's here here it is this I mean it, it would be so overwhelming I, I would think and, and so I think that's what Daniel that's what John experiences here he's overwhelmed but now let's take up let's talk about what he sees in these visions well, go ahead well i wanted to also though wrap up did you you had said as far as we're saved from the penalty of sin we're saved from the power of sin and, and we'll then someday so in glory be delivered from the very presence, presence of, of sin, sin which I is i just want to make sure you got thank that you. third one in thank there you. that is revel i mean that is a big part that's of the summation. That's, that's the, the final the destiny. Mm-hmm. Our final destiny and destination will be glory. Mm-hmm. And I guess glory is the only word to, to describe it, <laughs> I suppose. But, uh, yeah, all of that is there. That's all being celebrated uh, here by God's people in, in glory. Um, at some point, then, we're, we're saying that this cycle of judgments and of God's dealings with people and uh, sin and and. and and then revivals and restoration of peoples and this cycles of whether scrolls or bowls or angels mm-hmm. uh they will come to an end mm-hmm. there is an end to it, it history is is not just an eternal circle going to go on and on and on right. someday there will be a closing of the curtain mm-hmm. and we'll begin a new the purposes of god will be complete he would have called out of the human race a people for himself i will be their god they will be my people and we will begin to exist and live and reign in the presence of our God. We will be transformed ourselves into the... We are already spiritual beings. Uh, that's something uh, we have to always remind ourselves. We've become so earthbound in our thinking that we kind of think, well, this body, I am this body. And you're not your body. Mm-hmm. It, it, we're not even our own memories and thoughts and ideas, that our soul... We are a spirit. We are. You have a soul. You have a body. But you are a spiritual being, and uh, so we become alive because we are related to, rightly related to God, the source of our life. And so someday we'll live in that existence, mm-hmm. whatever that incredible existence might be. We will be given bodies. They, will, as Paul says, they're glorified bodies. Uh, somehow. We now function with the five senses physically, what it hearing, smelling, tasting, feeling, and seeing out the eyes. But someday we'll have senses. I suppose we will sense God, see God, know God, but I don't know what the means of mm-hmm. sensing God or seeing God or experiencing God will be in that spiritual realm. But all of that, we see now these visions. Uh, of that, and we see uh, he, he starts through them in chapters. Uh, wh- what is it? Chapter six there with the seven uh, scrolls, and then you have these witnesses. The seventh trumpets uh, brings uh, um, 
the six trumpets. He goes through the, the uh, scrolls, and he goes through the, what is it, the trumpets, uh, the first four trumpets, and then the trumpets, and then the bowls, right, of judgment that is falling, and he goes on. But in chapter 12, he kind of interrupts that series with this vision of the woman and the dragon. And uh, uh, it looks like, just on the surface, Stacy, that that is a reference to the the role and played and successfully carried out by the Messiah, uh, the, the the dragon, the great dragon, Satan, uh, attempts to destroy him and to eliminate him from being our representative, and yet Jesus is faithful and and uh, and earning that right to open the seals. I uh, I'm kind of waxing too eloquent here what 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 do you want to bring up as we go through kind of the book of the revelation we talked about the the seals the angels the i mean the scrolls right. the scroll the the seals the angels the bowls seven bowls and seven plagues and so on in chapter 15 to 16 well i and i kind of well i maybe um all throughout though there is this uh kind of consistent move towards redemption and towards you know you start in the garden and mm-hmm. it is it is it is glory it is walking and talking with jesus it is or not, I don't, mm-hmm. but it's with god I, um i come to the garden right mm-hmm. and I hear his voice and i mean adam and Eve, there was that harmony there was no mm-hmm. sin and but in the garden though and this was an interesting the tree was off limits um, and that was the only thing, um, but it's interesting, you know, you cut to Revelation, and that tree of life is central to it, and it is not off limits, and it is not, and then you, you know, even after the garden, you have the, uh, even in, in Revelation with the judgment, you have water, and water is bitter, or water is turned to blood, or water is, mm-hmm. uh, and there's this kind of, um, it is, it is, we need it and it's very important, mm-hmm. um, but we have a different kind of relationship with, with water. Mm-hmm. And then you come to revelation and there's that beautiful, the, the river and the water of life that flows through and it's to everything it touches turns to life. And it is not in any way off limits. It is not at all polluted. It is not We're at welcomed, all. Welcomed, encouraged. Are welcome. Yes, yes mm-hmm. we are. And we are, and in some ways we are, are almost an extension of that water as well, and, and we ourselves um, bring life to everything that we touch, and we are. Mm. And I, anyway, I just I love that revelation is kind of you see these images of redemption kind of throughout, and it and it culminates in in the come. The great victory. We mm-hmm. are victorious, yes. um, and the uh, you know thy kingdom come, mm-hmm. um, and and I and I think that that's sort of you know all of all of script. So so on one hand, John is writing about the future, absolutely, and I believe that is true. A future glory uh, with the, from the say from the very presence of sin, mm-hmm. where there will mm-hmm. no be be no more day, no more night, no more. Tears, no more. He will wipe no away all. Of, yes, mm-hmm. all of. Um, but at the at the same time, it is. He's also writing to the very, to the current. We we get to be a little bit of heaven in every part of life here and now mm. in the lives that we touch. That we are 
we are that little piece of redemption. We have been redeemed. We are that piece of heaven here on earth and our mm. relationships and the way that we love people and the way that we can offer healing in so many ways. And we're that river of life here Yeah, now. we can live in the spiritual dimension and begin to experience right. The spiritual life and spiritual reality mm-hmm. and spiritual, mm-hmm. even in this life, that's right. our, that's the incredible privilege we have, yeah. which we all probably perform and experience beneath our, our actual potential. Right, right. But boy, that is really a wonderful challenge to, I want to live here as if with the reality of heaven right. and glory. And with the power, I think, as well. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that that's something that we sometimes we underestimate ourselves. I always think to that, you know, Satan is gets gets us when we underestimate him or we overestimate him. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times, um, I think we fall very much on both sides of that. Sometimes we yeah. don't think that he's a destroyer and he, oh, he's he's not so bad or sin's not so bad. And it is. It's yeah. wicked. He kills, steals, and destroys. A lot of times, though, we under we overestimate him mm-hmm. we think that he is just impossible and that mm-hmm. is it and, and, and that is we have ap- we have power over over yes. him um, as being in christ mm-hmm. in and, and so and that's that a, one of the challenges i think i've always enjoyed as a believer for many years now is that i want to live out my potential mm-hmm. what and, and i fail i i know i do fail uh, terribly but my goal is still the same. I was pressed toward the goal of, of fully experiencing that as much as I can right. of heaven here yes. by faith, right. uh, even before it by sight. Now, we do have to close with, with all of this recognition of glory in heaven and mm-hmm. God's redemptive plan through the Messiah. There is also part of this is judgment, right. is accountability, is yeah. reckoning, and Satan is destroyed, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, those of who reject God. Although I cannot imagine a human being rejecting the God, a true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God of, who loves us so much, who has mm-hmm. paid the paid the penalty of our sin, and who calls us and beckons us to know Him. And uh, but but there are those that do, mm-hmm. and there's also judgment consequences for their decision and ultimately i don't know what any more than i know what heaven is you know perfectly like i can only imagine it mm-hmm. i can only imagine <laughs> right. but but with the same thing about hell uh, we don't know what place what it's like uh literally we, we have images and we have words that try to paint the picture but essentially hell is to be separated entirely and totally from God. Even on planet Earth, people who reject God and re- reject God and hate God and reject Him and His people and His redemptive plan, uh, they don't experience a godless existence. They still experience the cool, beautiful breeze, right. the beauty of nature, uh, the human warmth and relationships. Common, so we common still, grace. Common grace. Mm-hmm. But then there will be a place where there is no all... all Evidence and all expressions of God and goodness yeah. will be removed. And I mean, I don't know. That scares me more than any, any imagery of flames and this and that and the other. Yeah. It's that Lone, be totally and absolutely separate alone. from God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, thank you for being with us today. This evening is the book of Revelation. We start Genesis next week. Here we Genesis go. Genesis <laughs> 1 1 in, in the, the beginning. beginning. Yes, we'll go back again our 23rd time through the scriptures, folks. It's been a joy, a delight this evening time. and this year. At the usual time. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll be back time. at our usual time at 9 o'clock in the evening next Sunday evening. And we'll go through the opening chapters of the book of Genesis. I hope you'll join us. We'll see you then. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.